Hey, y'all. I'm Mark, and I'll be your preacher, and you can make the necessary adjustments. When Jaime asked me to, to speak today, he gave me the Great Commission. It's the part of the Bible in Matthew where Jesus lays out his uh, project, the way he's going to redeem the world one person at a time uh, from person to person. He wants his disciples to go out and make more disciples. So then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When I say these words and I introduce the concept of sharing your faith with other people, I feel anxiety. I feel apprehension and I feel it in you. This is a scary thought and most of us don't want to do it. We'd rather pass. It reminds me of a sermon I heard 20 years ago. Do you remember my, my, old, my youngest son, Curtis? How many remember Curtis? Curtis sang here. He has a lovely voice. Since he's, he's uh, moved to D.C. To, to lead a church with his wife, Maggie. But at the time, he was not in D.C. He was in my lap. And we were listening to a man from Kenya. And he was speaking powerfully. And my son was transfixed, though he was four years old. Oscar was not a man to be ignored. Not only did he have a booming Kenyan voice, but he had on an ostrich leather skirt and an ostrich feather out of his head. He was not to be messed with. In fact, it was so effective, I thought about brushing my own ostrich leather skirt off to get your attention in the same way. It did not fit. Uh, but I still remember his words. He said in that Kenyan accent, God, he's ended with a T. God is a jealous God. He does not want to share. He wants all of your attention, all of your love. He says, I will not share. I will not share. The height of the sermon, the power was at its maximum. I heard this little voice from Curtis say, I will not share. I will not share. Sometimes I think it's best that they're back there during the sermon. But that's kind of how we feel. We don't, we don't want to share. And so what do we do? We outsource it. We would offshore it if we could, but we outsource it to our preachers. Jaime can do that business. We will show up and shut up and cough up and you... I may do the preaching. The problem is, that's not the model that Jesus set up. And not only that, I don't know if you know this, but not a lot of atheists come to church to hear the sermon. So it, the Bible says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's what it is. The gospel is good news. And yet, I get it. You can lose your job. You can lose your friends. 
people have. You can get yelled at and laughed at and mocked. It's a dangerous, scary business. I get it. But I want to create a different paradigm to try to create a different way to share your faith that may be more approachable for all of us. And I want to go through the, through the steps right now. Number one, figure out what it is that Christianity says about itself. If you're going to represent Jesus, do give him the straight dope. Give him the full dosage of medicine. Don't say things that aren't true, just, just things that you've experienced. Say the real gospel. If you don't know it, ask your preacher, get in the word, study it. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. The whole gospel begins and ends with Jesus Christ, the life he lived, the death he died, his resurrection, his blood sacrifice satisfying the requirements of justice so that we, not by own works, but by belief, by faith in him, should be saved. And not just for eternal life, but for abundant life right now. Something along that nature you can, you can say to the person if you're called on. Number two, I ask you to get your own story straight. Uh, we don't live chaotic, meaningless lives filled with disconnected events. If you will look and you will ponder, you will see an arc. You will see a story where Jesus shows up in your life. I can, I, I know mine. Know yours. If you don't know it, I'm not sure anybody does. You're the, you're the expert on, on yourself. So spend some time with yourself rehearsing. How has God shown up in your life? Has he brought people to you? Has he given you the power to forgive someone you thought it was impossible to forgive. This is the moment where you can rehearse this in your own mind. And when called upon, you can, you can be able to say something back to the person that's personal. There's a, group, there's a group that does studies on religious issues called Barna. And one of the things they, they ask people, they survey them and they find out information, they present it to the church. One of the things they find out is that a lot of atheists, uh, they have problems with the church, naturally. They may hate the church, but they like their individual Christian friends. And that's your, that's your way in. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people just get in their own little bubbles and they don't mix. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of atheists don't know any Christians and vice versa. I wonder how many of us hang out with with non-believers, but we ought to foster those relationships and be able to, when called upon, give an account of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So get your own story straight. Be able to say, God showed up for me in these ways. Uh, and that gives credence and power to your testimony. The last thing I want you to do is make it known who you are. It ought not be a great secret that you follow Jesus. We had a, when, when I was growing up in my church, 
we had this little saying. They would say, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Very powerful thought. And I know, I, you don't have to hit somebody in the head with the Bible. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to have a silver tongue. You do have to be honest about who you are. Uh, some ideas that, that I've used, you know, read your Bible at lunch. Uh, when you listen to Christian music and somebody walks in the room, you don't turn it down. You turn it up. You're like, this is who I am. That's the way it, is. That's the way it goes. And the model that I'm espousing is not that you go up and grab somebody the throat and tell them about Jesus, but that they know who you are. And when trouble comes to them, and it will come, they come to you and they ask you spiritual things. And when they do, you're ready for it. That's the model that I'm talking about. Uh, happened to me the other day. Uh, it was very weird because I was not ready for it. I had not done the sermon yet. Uh, he was a friend of mine. He was a contractor friend. We were having lunch together. And I knew I'd, I'd let him talk some. And I knew that he had had a bad experience in his teen years with the church and that he'd sworn it off and that he didn't have time for it anymore. And uh, we sat down with our food and he, he opened his hands and he looked at me and he said, well, and I said, well, what? You got your ketchup, you saw, what do you want? He said, no, I want to hear it. Let's, 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 what's your spiel, man? What's your elevator speech for Jesus? <laughs> I was like... Am I being punked? Is there, is there a camera? What? <laughs> I was not ready for the moment. Uh, I stammered through, and I, and I got it. I would like to tell you that he dropped to his knees and professed Christ. He did not. But he heard me out, and he, he loves me, and he respects me. And he heard me because I heard him. And I don't know what part I will play in, in his salvation, if any. But the Bible says some water, some plow, some plant, some harvest. And your job is not to get a cool theological point in or get a zinger in for Jesus. Your job is to present honestly the case for Christ and your experience. And Jesus does the, the work. The Holy Spirit does the convicting. You know, I reflect that there's not one person that you can make be a Christian. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And he will do what he will do in his own time. Our job is just to be faithful. And, and if you will do this, you can facilitate the propagation of the, of the, the gospel. I want to, when, when I first thought about this uh, service, uh, two people came to mind. They were my lifelines, and I called my lifelines. One was Charlie Quayle. And one was George Weiss. I thought of George because George, to me, embodies uh, this, this business of being free and easy with Jesus Christ. It, it flows out of him. I, I, I bet you there's not a person that knows George that doesn't know that George knows Jesus. Uh, amen. <laughs> so I'm going to invite George up here to, to talk with us a little bit. George was was kind enough. You got a little stool there? All right. Tell them who you are, George. So I'm George Weiss, and I uh, 
And my, my reference point today is I'm a friend of Mark's. So. And George, uh, am I right about this? Uh, everybody knows you know Jesus. Well, I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do believe that um, when you spend time with Jesus enough, you, uh, you do have something to give when those moments come. Yes, yes. Something to, you had something to give to your friend. So I, I uh, have seen evidence that people do know. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, you know, you'll pray for somebody at the drop of a hat and you'll drop the hat yeah, for them. That's right. uh, yeah. I, I love that you, you talk about Jesus all the time. It just it bubbles out of you because it's it's what's in your heart in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah, he's. Um, I've heard uh, the songs "Shout Out from the Mountaintops" and or "Rooftops," and I'm thinking that's really would be weird to, st- to shout from the rooftops. But I, th- I I know those moments when my heart is in my throat, and I know that the Lord wants me to say something that I am presently on the rooftop, and even though I say it, maybe faltering or maybe just a nor- normal voice, that is shouting it from the rooftop. So. Uh, you, 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 I know when those moments come, and it's uh, it's 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 in your weakness, really, that the Lord can speak. And just, I feel like uh, Jesus said to Nathaniel, um, "Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile." And um, so, uh, being guile-free, which is probably not a word, but. <laughs> But um, having no pretense, not pretending, um, I, I end up with mud on my face often. Uh, m- my poor wife. <laughs> but, you know, you just trust the Lord and say some stupid things, but you say them for Jesus and, and uh, the Lord. The Lord, the Holy Spirit's the one that does the, the, really the heavy lifting, like you yes. said earlier. So what advice would you have if, if, you, if we were seeking to be faithful and follow Jesus in this command, and, and how do we let people know who we are? Well, you have to be vulnerable. And um, Rebecca, my wife of 41 years, can attest that I'm, I'm insecure. Uh, people don't think I am, but I am. And... Um, Having your strength from the Lord is is the answer to uh, to being able to do this. And I and I have this time with the Lord, a walk with the Lord. And I came to Christ on an acid trip in 1975. I was talking to somebody with bell bottoms on earlier today, but uh, true story. People loved me, invited me to Young Life in, in the 70s, and. Um, and all culminated when I was uh, freaking out. But uh, so I can tell my story. And, and that, you know? That's descriptive, not proscriptive. Yeah. Eric is <laughs> Mark using those big words. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think if if I tell people what's real to me, what the Jesus has done, that's where the power is, and that's where you have confidence and and you can rest and you don't have to strive in that so yeah that answer your question that does thank you george i appreciate that
As I mentioned, uh, that there were two people that I called uh, for my lifeline. And one was Charlie Quayle. And I asked him uh, what advice he would have for me on the subject. And he texted me the following. And I want you to listen to this because this is the last test that I will ever get from my friend. Well, these are some of my thoughts, Mark. If the gospel is no longer compelling to our own selves, then we don't have much to share. We can have an academic faith, but not have a living faith. We are to stir one another up with insights on how the simple gospel is challenging and impacting one another. And he quotes Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up with love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, in, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The gospel is blasphemous to the world, but to the ones being saved, it is life-giving. God's view on suffering is shocking. We don't want a God who calls us to a life of miracles and a promise of tribulation and self-death. We want a God who will keep us safe. That is, and, and bless our plans, but that's not the God of the Bible. We don't get excited about sharing our God because we are not sure if the one we are worshiping really exists. On Friday morning, my friend Charlie went to go see Jesus. And that's his last sermon. When you get the opportunity to share I, I want to coach you through that. The first thing when, when they, they approach you is to listen. Me telling people how to listen is like Genghis Khan teaching about childcare. It, it, <laughs> I, I get that. I understand that. But I'm so bad at, at it that I had to study it. And I've learned some things that other people can put into practice, but not me. Listening is a lost art. It is so rare that anybody is a good listener. We always have our little quick comeback. Uh, I, I have a bad habit of not listening to the point of just predicting what the other person will say so I'm ready when they finish talking and it's my turn. But listening is healing to the soul. A lot of times people will come to you and they'll be angry. They'll be angry at the church, something that happened to them in the past. And they'll lay it at your feet because you are the representative of Jesus right in front of them. You do not have to defend hard behavior from somebody you don't even know. You have to listen, to just be quiet. My wife tells me, she gives me steps to follow. It's horrible. You have to first not interrupt. You have to try to, to understand what they're saying. There's a, there's, a, there's a famous prayer that goes, Lord, grant that I may not so much seek to be understood as to understand. And if you, underst if you get that that's your main goal, that your whole point of being with the person is to understand what they're saying, you don't have to break in. You don't have to defend yourself. I remember a lot <laughs> I had this... 
forced listening experience because it was a voicemail, which is about the only time I listen. But there was a customer, and she was ranting and raving, and she was, ah, the the delivery people have rutted up my yard. They've destroyed my mailbox. They may sleep at my house tonight. I was mortified, and I wanted to to interrupt her and go, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm going to fix it. It's blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's stop you from getting worked up and interfere with you. But on she went. It was minutes and minutes of this. And I was dying because I couldn't interrupt. She finally got to the end of it. And she said, she took a deep breath and went, huh, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I know it's an outside delivery company and you can't fix it. But I just wanted to say what I want to say. And I thought, <laughs> If, if I would have gotten in the way, I've ruined it all. She was like a wave on the beach that needed to spend herself and then fade back into the sand and everything would have been fine. I'm still no good at it. We, uh, my wife and I, uh, years ago, uh, taught a pre-married class to, to uh, uh, engaged people. Had a lot of fun at it. But one particular crop of marrieds that, were, that we were teaching there were three couples, and they were all from China. And uh, we had the most fun trying to figure each other out. Uh, uh, and at one point, we were all, all around the dinner table. Can you do the, the, my, my, my pictures? OK, this doesn't look like it's going to relate, but I'm going to land this. Just be patient. So the, the, this Chinese guy says, you know, it's funny how you guys, how Americans communicate. When you guys talk, it's like basketball. You, everybody's screaming. You're trying to steal the ball from each other. You roar down, you shoot, and you celebrate. But as soon as you shoot, they're running back down the other way. And it's chaos the whole time. And I went, yeah. And he said, when we talk, it's like golf at the 18th green at Augusta. Everybody is silent while the guy lines up his shot. <laughs> he practiced putts. He hits it in, and everybody politely claps and waits their turn. <laughs> I said, yeah, that ain't us. That's not going to be the way we're going to be. And after he finished talking, you know, this kind of silence settles across the dinner table. And I was like, I will be dadgum if I'm the next one to talk. <laughs> and everybody was like that until about 20 seconds, and then all the Americans bust out and said, we can't take it anymore, we gotta talk. So, so listen, that's your, that's your main charge. Sometimes, you know, I think it was St. Francis of Assisi said, said, preach, and if you have to, talk. Sometimes just being a listening ear is enough to communicate the love of Christ. Uh, so learn to listen. Very few people do. Number two, everything you do with this person, every interaction that you have ought to be characterized by love. I mean, Jesus summed up the Gospels uh, with two commandments. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love and love. Now, <laughs> if you can't figure it out from there, you, you need remedial help. Uh, so that's pretty much it. And, and when, you're, when you're talking to your, your friends about Christ, when you're witnessing, you don't have to, to, to get the zinger in. You don't have to 
say something mean. Online, this is true. You get in a discussion. It's very rare that it's ever profitable for anyone to do this. But remember who you're representing. You are representing a kingdom of love, and it ought to flavor everything that you say. And if it doesn't, you're wandering off the wrong path. And remember, this is the, this is the taste of Jesus that these people get. Sometimes it's the only taste that they get. Let it be love. You know, they honor you by coming up to you and saying, hey, I got a question for you. I want to know why, why the church does this, why this, why, why, that, why this happened to me. You're the representative of God Almighty at that moment. Remember that you have to react in love, and you don't have to answer for all the crazy stuff that happened to them. You just have to understand and listen. Number two, you have to deal with your own prejudices. Uh, you know that scripture that we had up there said, do so in respect and love to the, to the other person's situation. They may come from a different culture. They may have horrible moments in their past. You don't know what they are until you listen. Uh, respect where they're coming from. I mean, we have our own cultural point where we access Christianity. Uh, it's kind of hard to see because it's the air we breathe. It's the way we do church. Uh, little things like that is not integral to the gospel. And remember that. Remember, they, they may be wearing ostrich skirts. <laughs> and that they still can be fine. They're just fine. Oscar was great. <laughs> So that's, that's kind of what I want to tell, to tell you guys today, and, and that's, the, that's, that's all of it. Uh, I want to thank George for, for sharing today. I know it was, we've all had a, had a hard week, and uh, my, my friend Charlie, I don't know if you got to know him, but if you did, it was an honor. He was a mighty oak in Christ, and he is fellowshipping with the saints in whose mighty company he belongs. Pray with me. Father God, you gave us something precious. You gave us a glimpse of who you are in Christ Jesus. You gave us the kingdom. You let us be grafted into the tree of life, written into the book of life, adopted as one of your sons and daughters. It is the most precious thing we have. It is the thing that the world cries out for, though they do not know it. They suffer. They face death. They face broken relationships, all with bewilderment and fear when you are right there, when we have been given the keys to the kingdom, we've been given the way to help them. Lord, give us the courage to show up for you. I, I pray that you create those, those situations with, with each of us. Each one of us has, has a circle of friends that we, we have access to. We have that superpower to speak to those people. Lord, give us, give us the courage and the, the wisdom to, to know the moment to show up for those people. We have the antidote for the suffering that they're going through. Let us not keep it to ourselves. Pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.